Morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, April the 13th. All eyes were on that all-important inflation read last night. What was the wash-up from that, Marcus? Well, the inflation number was smack in line with expectations, 8.5% and 6.5% at the core level. But the interesting part of it is this debate about whether that's peak inflation. As you know, we've come into that number and the suggestion is that that's as bad or as high as it's going to get. It's the highest number since 1981. And if you strip out energy and food, and the Russian thing has a affected food prices, by the way. If you strip out energy and food and energy, the, the gasoline price or the petrol price to you and me is at a record in the US and it was up 18%. So that's really pumped this number up. And if you strip those out, some core goods, core goods actually fell 0.4%. So you suddenly think, well, if the Russian situation sorted itself out, the oil price fell over, we got rid of some of these supply issues, you might actually find that there is very little inflation pressure and all this is a temporary transit. Thing. Anyway, is this peak inflation? I've discussed that in the strategy piece today. But the inflation number really didn't cause a ripple because it came in smack in line. So our market is up 19 today. Futures were down seven. Dow Jones was down 88. There was that Brooklyn, was it Brooklyn Underground? Brooklyn Subway, yeah. Brooklyn Subway shooting, 17 people killed. Uh, no, injured. At this stage, no one killed. Uh, shooter still at large, though, was the latest headline that I saw. So going on. Yeah, well, not good. Uh, otherwise, Putin. You know what is scary about that? They've had, sorry, they've had 41 mass shootings since the start of the pandemic in New York. Really need to ban automatic weapons, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Out of my dead hands was that the expression for the National Rifle Association. Mm. Out of my dead hands. Anyway, there you go. Thank God we live in Australia. Agreed. Agreed. At least if somebody went off in an underground, you've got a good chance of yeah, getting, a getting out of there without yeah. being shot. Anyway, the oil price overnight up. 6.3%. That's on Putin saying peace talks have hit a dead end and they will pursue a methodical war and suggestions that they are about to launch a big new offensive. So that drags on and that obviously keeps inflation pressures on because it keeps energy prices up. As I've written in the strategy piece today, we could trade the energy prices. It's very volatile at the moment. Every day looks like, a wow, why didn't I buy or why didn't I sell? But really, when things are this volatile, I think we all just stand back and leave it to people far cleverer stroke luckier than ourselves rather than bothering to trade oil. I can't help feeling this whole energy complex is inflated at the moment and at some point will deflate. Otherwise, gold up, iron ore up, metals up, resources doing okay today. There was this Bank of America Global Fund Managers survey, which is quite a good survey if you Google it, but talked about global optimism at a record low at the moment. I've been looking to see whether the chances of a rate rise on May the 4th changed overnight. There's no indication yet of what the CPI number did, but bond yields fell. So another indication this might be peak inflation. We've got the results season starting tonight with JP Morgan's results in the US and Goldman Sachs Citibank. Otherwise, a quiet roll into Easter. Thank you for that, Marcus. Uh, Tom not with us this morning. Not a whole lot happening locally, so not bad timing on that. As you mentioned, energy and miners are leading the assets higher. I've got a few little company announcements, nothing overly major. Aristocrat Leisure to provide an update on their CFO transition. Confirmed that Julie Cameron Doe's last day will be April 15th. Unsurprisingly, that's not moved the share price a whole lot. No, if it was a CEO, maybe, but a CFO tends to fly under the radar. Yep. Yeah, no, it's up one cent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Luca Resources has their AGM today. They've announced they intend to demerge. Sierra Retool, they're up 2%. ML Payments are up 12% after news broke that Bain Capital was taking a look at it as a takeover target. That was a report 
report in the AFR. They're up 12% on that report. On- Just interesting on that. Sorry to jump in. Bain apparently have walked away at this point. So interesting that the stock's up 12% on the news being that they've actually walked away, but it, seemingly they're in play now. So, yeah, so you've yeah. taken the words out of my mouth. It yeah. seems that they're up on the concept that they're, you know, that they're open to business. Around. And yeah, exactly. if Bain's looking at them as one of the, the leading media companies in the world, there's fair chances Someone other people are just yeah, going to be interested. Running the ruler over them, yep. And the other one we had was PointsBet have launched their online casino in the US state of Pennsylvania. They're marginally higher in early trade. We've got a couple of ex-dividends in WAM leaders, WLE, Future Generation Investment, FGX and Duxton Water, D2O, all around 3% gross yields, but none are overly notable income stocks. And on the economic front today, we have Westpac Consumer Confidence for April domestically. In Japan, they've we've got the Reuters Tankin Index for April, Machinery Orders for February, Chinese Balance of Trade is out for March. UK has their inflation rate for March tonight and the US PPI for March will also be coming out tonight. And that's about all we've got locally today. Layden, much broker stuff happening. Thanks, Ben. I'll go through a couple here. Adbury, that's ABC, has been downgraded to equal weight at Morgan Stanley. That's following unfavorable construction conditions. And the broker has highlighted that competitor Borrell has already downgraded earnings forecasts due to weather and rising costs. And the target price for Adbury has been lowered 5.5% to $3.40, but that still implies a 13% upside. AGL Energy, Morgan Stanley has lifted its earnings per share estimates for the coming years due to high pool prices in New South Wales and Queensland. And the broker retains the equal weight recommendation and lifted the target price 13% to $8.48. The current share price is $8.58. I haven't seen if it's changed yet this morning, but that's just about in line with the current share price there. And Linus Rare Earths, LYC. March quarter results showed a mixed bag, according to Macquarie, with lower rare earths prices offset in volumes and production, which resulted in a 6% miss on Macquarie's revenue forecast. Macquarie has lowered its near-term commodity price forecast to reflect the recent drop in rare earth prices, and the broker has retained its outperform recommendation and lowered its target price 9% to $12.80, which still implies a 32% upside. Uh, just on AGL, uh, that's the second or third broker upgrade we've had in the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah, I think. there has been a and the share price is already up from. This is the you know dog stock in the top fifty of the market for the last couple of years, and it's bottomed. It bottomed about five bucks, five bucks ten, I think, and it's now eight fifty. And a few brokers upgrading. You know, it might be worth a look. Yeah, just on the back of that, I spoke about Origin yesterday, a very similar company, and utilities and energy have been the two hottest sectors in the last quarter. So AGL and Origin driving that utilities rally. Well, utilities only has three or four stocks and AG on Origin make up about yeah. 70%. Well, it has about 20, but about segment. 18 small ones, yeah. <laughs> AGLs, it used to have a big yield. It used to have a 7 8% yield. It's dropped to 3.8%, but back to 5% next year, but zero franking by the looks of it. So. But it's, you know, it's a boring stock. Return on equity, 5%, 6%. It's not a growth stock, but it's now a recovery situation. By the way. Very good. Thank you. Leighton, Chris, what have you got for us? Today. Yeah, I'm taking a look at elders today. So uh, I still actually quite like agricultural stocks. There is an entity called the Australian Bureau of Agricultural and Resource Economics, otherwise known as ABES, and they put out crop forecasts. And at the start of the March, they lifted their forecast for all major crops, expecting the value of agriculture in Australia to reach 81 billion this financial year, up more than 12 billion from last year. And that's because Australian crops are achieving the highest prices they've seen in 32 years. Uh, I could throw 
some more stats at you, but essentially the message that I'm trying to pass is that there are about three or four upgrades in a row now, and analysts still expect that the next time they deliver their crop forecast, even perhaps the next couple of times, I think it's quarterly, that they will upgrade yet again because the conditions here in Australia are so favourable for crops. That feeds into why I like uh, Elders as my chart of the day. I also like Grain Corp and New Farm, both very good looking charts as well. But Elders has broken out of trading range. It was held captive by the $13 level. Punched above that, has come back and retested that level and bounced. Uh, and essentially, I wrote this morning that you could have a crack at it at whatever the opening price might be. It opened at around $13.75 and is already up more than 2.5% on the day, trading now at $14.09. So hopefully some members followed that little chart of the day idea and bought it earlier this morning and already off to the races, so to speak. But yeah, like I said, I think the conditions are good for agricultural stocks and Elders fits the bill as the chart of the day. Very nice. Thank you, Christopher. Henry, what's happening up in Sydney? Well, just for change, it's raining. So that's good. Just in time for Easter day, I guess uh, fat and happy at Easter has been my uh, theory for some time. Depends, I guess, when Easter falls. But after the Easter break, we do tend to go into a bit of stasis, of course, and we do have federal election, etc. And bank results. In today's Henry's Take, just took some profits yesterday in Calix, which uh, turned out quite well. And also looking to take some profits in Red 5, which has been pretty successful gold stock for us as it nears production. And just highlighting, I guess, what happened to Gold Road with its Greer production when that went from uh, a sort of an explorer constructor into a actual producer and how the fact that it peaked at $1.60 and has basically done nothing ever since. So looking to take money off the table in Red 5 and also talking about the lithium story. While it has come back, the story hasn't changed. Uh, there's still massive demand for lithium as I was talking about on Ausbiz this morning. My buy of the day was Easter eggs. My hold was the lithium sector and my sell was taking some smidge of a profits in the banks as it could be as good as it gets but certainly the lithium sector is still got a massive attraction given the car ev story is well and truly intact honda announced yesterday they would be paying be spending 40 billion us dollars to buy 30 new ev models by 2030 so although china is slowing because of covid and we have seen car sales in china i think they fell 11 percent last month the story remains intact these guys have committed to electricals and there is not enough production globally to satisfy it. So that's about it from me. Fat and happy. Very nice, Henry. I was uh, wondering if you might do a little look at a Nero group in the lead up to Easter. Nero group? A Nero group. Ticker EGG. EGG. Oh, the egg. Finance jokes, huh? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, well, after the last joke <laughs> on April Fool's Day when I said we were going to get Kathy Wood on, on the couch and nobody even questioned it, I think, um, yes. Yeah, very good. All right. And last but not least, Marcus. I have a read of strategy stuff. It was just about, is that peak inflation? And the answer is, I don't know. But certainly the bond market came off or bond yields came off. That could be a pivot point on the bond market, but no one's going to bet on it yet. And otherwise, I did a seasonal chart of the ASX 200 a couple of weeks ago. I bunged that in again. Basically, the market has a really good run from December to today and then goes sideways for a couple of months. And so we're just into the period where the market starts to go sideways. And I think Henry said it before, fat and happy at Easter usually leads to a bit of a disaster afterwards. And I wouldn't say a disaster, but we are into the flat period in the market. And by the way, there is a sell signal on the ASX 200 Hekanashi chart. But the interesting thing I thought today was in the ideas section, which I called the no ideas section because the market's trending the wrong way. And I don't really want to be adding anything ahead of Easter. I want to have a relaxed Easter without thinking about the stock market. But there was 
there's a, an interesting list, have a look at the ideas section, an interesting list of RSI buy signals. And there were only about eight of them, but they included BBOS, which is the Australian Strong Bear ETF. So it goes up when the market goes down. There's BBUS, which is the US Strong Bear ETF. So it goes up when the S&P 500 goes down. There's the Bear, which is the Bear ETF, goes up when the market goes down. Then there's the XIN, which is the inverse of the ASX 200, XNV, which is the inverse of the ASX 200 ETF, XVI, which is the ASX 200 VIX volatility index, which is going up. And that made a really good list of things you would buy in a falling market. So put that little list in your back pocket for the next time the market falls over, which may be now. Anyway, the other, the only other stocks going up were the US dollar ETF and St. Barbara Mines, which of course is a stock you'd only ever buy when everything went to hell because it usually goes to hell at all other times. And that was about it from me today. One more day to Easter. And it's, uh, it's just what do you call it? In Play a straight Play bat. bat. No, you just you just pat it out or something. Yeah, yeah. Put the night watchman in. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And question of the day today, pretty simple one. Finfluencers, yay or nay? Uh, Marcus, do you want to start us off? Finfluencers. Now, the reason you brought that up is because of that AFR article about the asset coming down on Finfluencers and they're providing unlicensed information and some of their stuff could be construed as advice. So I really don't care about Finfluencers. I think some of them are obvious. They're every spectrum of crook to hero. And uh, if you get value out of watching a Finfluencer, especially if they look nice, which most of them seem to go for your life, I'm plowing my furrow, let them plow theirs. Chris? I can only bring it back into the context of um, the markets today world and just, you know, what we go through in terms of compliance, which uh, uh, can be arduous at times, but I have a healthy respect for it because it is designed to achieve certain outcomes. So yeah, I I guess I, I think that uh, the regulation is probably a good thing. I've got to say, if we are that over-regulated, in my humble opinion... Oh, I think we are too, yeah. We are hugely... Yep. Anyone would assume that there are some people in the Australian government that think idiots need protection from themselves and they have taken on the task, where the truth is it should really be the responsibility of an idiot to look after themselves. And so we have got, a, I, in my humble opinion, a molly-coddling attitude towards financial state, yeah. advice. In the UK, for instance, you don't have to have a licence to... To hand out general advice. It's it's uh, buyer beware, and I think we we do a lot better with that sort of approach. But uh, so for people to think that we need to regulate finfluencers rather than allow people to make their judgments on what they're watching as whether it's ridiculously wrong or not is is again too much interference. I think so. Uh, let, let them go. Just on that as well, I don't want to get on the wrong side of ASIC, but you would think there might be bigger things, bigger <laughs> regulatory problems that they might focus their attention on rather than what finfluencers. Well, try and contain social media postings on on financial advice be it hocus pocus or genuine they've got far too big a task and far too few people Correct. and less not enough money to do Correct. it exactly so right. so it's never going to be good yeah there you go henry i think influencers generally are not a bad thing at least it has drawn attention to finance for a whole generation of people that really have not been that engaged in it so i think that is a good thing you obviously have to be careful who you listen to i think we are massively over regulated 
I think at the end of the day, we do have a full service stockbroking industry that is more intent on making brokerage and not getting sued than making you money, which unfortunately is the way of things with clients. I wish that we could all have sophisticated investors on our books if you are a broker, but uh, that's not always the case. But I think generally Finfluencers have been a positive, but there should be buyer beware. Yeah, you just got to be careful with these guys because some of them are out for their own. They should certainly not be completely and wholly trusted, but then they are doing a relatively good service, I think, drawing attention to parts of the market. Leighton, Ben, being the younger generation to which these influencers are generally aiming themselves, what do you think of it? Do you get any benefit out of it? I think, uh, yeah, I was going to come from the younger perspective. I think the the financial literacy in our generation is not that good in general. Yep. And you put these influencers that... Can I just say, it's a heck of a lot better than our our generation. Yeah. You guys are far more financial savvy than we were. Which is a worry because <laughs> there's still a long way to go. That's true. Um, but the you put these people that have a million followers on Instagram and it is it gives them a, a kind of um, legitimacy, a legitimacy yeah. that people our age will go, oh, they, they're trustworthy. They've, They've got, got a that many followers. followers. They must be. And then if they say, oh, mate, just put, put your money into some Bitcoin, Bitcoin or yeah. some really risky crypto or this stock guarantee. Mm. And they speak in that language of, you know, you can't not make money if you're doing this. And people don't understand like risk. managing their bankroll yeah. or risk or anything. And it's so easy to get access to trading accounts with leverage and all these sorts of things. And people are giving really dangerous advice. Yeah. And I think there's room for, you know, as Henry was saying, there's some really good ones out there. But it's, I think that without any regulation, the risk is really high in the ones that I, just, and they, they don't necessarily know they're being dodgy. Mm. They just don't understand, they don't have enough knowledge themselves. They've just made, made a few lucky bets and then they're like, oh, I'm a genius now. They haven't yeah. got enough lights on in the stadium to actually see all the ones are out as Marcus <laughs> yep. puts it well. And, and followers, Ben, is no indication of trustworthiness because you can buy followers. I once paid five bucks and got 5,000 followers on my Twitter feed so that I won a bet with my mate Richard Morrow in Melbourne. Five bucks well spent. He was very shocked when my posts went viral with a new 5,000 followers and he only had 150 and uh, he had to buy me lunch on the back of that. So you can buy followers. I think it was five bucks, two and a half thousand. I think I spent 10 and got 5,000. Eventually they do drop off, but they're there for a while. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're exactly right. There's no legitimacy into it. And we have to, as people in finance, we have to go through so much training and then compliance and get licenses and registrations to be able to even say general yeah. general statements. Yeah, with caveats and with yeah, disclaimers so and everything else. It seems that a long way from it, that. So, yeah. so that's, yeah, that's me. So buy beware, as always, at the very least, buy beware. And just know that Marcus today is fully licensed, regulated, disclaimers on everything. Don't say anything that we should no, ever. It's saying we spend a lot yeah, of money do. and we all do our compulsory yep. development points every year, which is a pain in the ass. Yep. Uh, and 40 uh, hours worth. And we all do it individually. We could just do it as a mm. corporate entity, in which case we wouldn't have to do CBD points. We just have a license. Yep. But we have chosen for our, all of us as individuals to be uh, individually licensed. So just so everyone knows. Yeah. Very good. There we have it. Right, thanks, guys. Thanks, team. See you back here tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Henry. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.